Welcome to the next episode of the Soulet Career. Hi, my name is Marketa, and I have an awesome guest here, Melissa. Hello, Melissa. Hi, Marketa. I'm so excited that we are chatting today because this topic is really, when I'm going to say recently, maybe in the past two years, became like completely favorite topic and a favorite tool, I would say, to be able to grow as a person. We're going to be talking about human design. And the reason why I get you on today is because you are an expert in it. You are the human design reader. For anyone who is hearing this for the first time, what the hell does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) So human design is just a system that um, highlights your uniqueness as an individual and gives you an energetic blueprint. And what that means is it kind of tells you how to flow well in life according to your natural energy. It's a little bit like astrology, but I find that astrology tells you more about your personality. And once you know about your personality, it's kind of like, okay, that's nice. It sounds like me. And now what? Whereas human design is more of a guide that tells you, hey, this is your energy type, or these are the elements of your design. Why don't you try doing this or try listening to this in your body or try this, try that and see if it helps you to flow better or see if it helps you to make decisions that feel good for you. Got it. Got How does somebody understand what the human design, what their specific human design is? That's a great question. So the easiest way to find out your human design is that you'll need your um, birth date and birth time as well as your place of birth. And then you can put it into any of the, there are tons of free resources on the internet where you can just plug in your birth details and it will spit out a chart that will tell you your energy type, um, your strategy and authority and a, a bunch of other information. It looks kind of weird and wild. And um, so this is this is the advantage, I guess, of having a reader is it's kind of like astrology where you can know hey, I'm a Leo, or hey, I'm a manifesting generator. And you'll get the basics. And already the basics are a huge help to um, aid you in understanding yourself as a self-awareness tool. But if you have um, like a proper astrological reader or human design reader to interpret your chart as a whole, instead of just piecing together the, the individual bits of information, it can really help to guide you in a much more holistic way by looking at all of your charts. So it's not just the fact that you're a, um, I don't know, a, a tourist or the fact that you are a generator, but we're looking at all of the elements of your chart together. Mm, right. I, I totally agree with you because even when it comes to astrology or human design, uh, I feel like a lot of people will think like there is no like 12 types of people, right? Or there is no five types of people according to human design. How would you... How would you explain this to people like that who are maybe kind of skeptical? And even when you make it sound like, oh, it's kind of like astrology, like, woohoo, what the hell is this? <laughs> so, yeah, that's a really great point because in human design, um, there are only five main energy types. And we really do think, well, but we can't categorize all of the world's population into just five main groups. And um, that energy type is just a starting point it's like the foundation or the base and then there are many other elements that help to make you unique and in fact 
human design is all about highlighting that uniqueness so that you can follow your individual design, which may have a lot in common or a little in common with others, but is ultimately yours and uniquely yours. Um, and uh, so having the a, a reading will help you to understand all of these elements and how they fit together to make up who you are. And then from there, it's about experimenting with what feels good and what feel makes life feel easier, uh, what feels more like you um, and, and what feels less like uh, trying to fit in with society. Yeah, that's exactly what I love about it. That really, it's, I love the, how you compare that, that astrology feels kind of like okay this is who you are all right what am I gonna do about that but the human design really almost feels like somebody gave you a roadmap and then you can use it those are tools kind of like in your toolbox and when you're making a decision and thinking of like oh am I gonna go left or right am I going to take this job or not take this job am I going to I don't know whatever make this call it's almost like it helps you understand your body or through your body, it helps you understand how you should be making decisions. And I have to say, for me, this was completely life-changing. Already, I would say already the part of not just how to make decision, but how to not beat myself up about not wanting to make certain decisions or not wanting to do certain stuff. Yeah, you make an excellent point there about listening to your body and also, um, you know, having a path. So maybe in some other systems with, or that tell you about your personality type that will tell you, well, this is your personality, so you would probably make this decision. And human design doesn't tell you that. It tells you these are the elements of um, how your energy flows, and this is how you would normally feel what is the best decision for you. So try feeling into that and see which one feels better so as a reader I cannot say if someone says so if I um shall I go for a job in management or a, a job in the technical aspects and I couldn't say uh, as it's not a um, future forecasting tool I wouldn't be able to say you know if you did that this is what would happen and this if you did that this is what would happen what I could say is well the way that your body makes decisions will probably feel like X. So sit with one, one possibility, sit with the other possibility and see what one feels better in your body according to the way that your body is supposed to make decisions. And then you will decide, but you'll, you'll feel the answer. So uh, we're not prescriptive at all when we're not, human design is not telling people about how to live their life. It's about tell, uh, informing people how they can best make their own decisions by not listening to society or others, but by listening to their inner wisdom. This is awesome. And even there was something I actually wanted to dive a little bit deeper on. The fact when you said listening to your own body, I'm feeling like maybe it is also just me as a person. I'm like, give me specifics. <laughs> I always want to understand what it means because I actually, even though I am a sp very spiritual person, I feel like I am quite intuitive and so on. When somebody out of nowhere tells me, listen to your body, I'm like, what does it mean? Like, what do I do? <laughs> like, I, and I, it, it was actually quite frustrating even to me at the beginning, because if somebody tells you this, that you are so out of alignment that you really cannot recognize, let's say the language that your body speaks, to me, it was super frustrating at the beginning. And I feel like this is really good 
where the human design and the energy types when it comes to play. So how every energy types, if I do understand it correctly, uh, how they will understand how their body communicates with that with them. Is it correct? Do I understand well? Yeah. So there are um, there are different types of ways that we can listen to our body, and that will partly depend on your energy type. In the sense that some energy types will necessarily be one or another thing, and some energy types will not be able to be another thing. But, but there isn't a um, like a one-to-one -one correspondence because we have five main energy types and um, seven types of authority. So, um, so seven ways that you can feel your, it's like, it's not your intuition, but it's a, it's a way of almost how you will receive communication about your intuition. So it's how you can understand what your intuition is telling you rather than it. your intuition itself right so it's kind of like um, and so that would be yeah sorry i was oh, just I thinking like met metaphorically so it's not about that you will hear the message but you will understand if the message will come to you by email by post or by a phone call yeah almost pretty much like that <laughs> <laughs> that's a great analogy so um, these can come from different parts of your body and they can um, and depending on the part they can feel different and uh, without I mean without going into all of the seven types um, one very common authority is sacral authority as it belongs to generators and manifesting generators who together make up around two-thirds of the population so this is kind of like a gut feeling and a lot of people even who don't know anything about human design can relate to having a gut feeling about like a good gut feeling or a bad gut feeling about something and then we very often ignore that so it's about noticing okay were there times in your life where you had a gut response to something and you ignored that feeling and then what were the consequences of ignoring that or what were the consequences of following that um, and then noticing these patterns of, okay, every time you ignored your gut, what happened? Or what happened when you did follow your, your gut feeling? And then going, okay, well, if that led to something good, why don't you try doing that more often? And sometimes we don't do it more often because society says we should make decisions from our logical brain. Yeah, I can very, very much relate to that because this is literally my type uh, as I'm a manifesting generator and my authority is sacral. So you're speaking to the right person, definitely. And maybe just to tie into it, my personal experience. So I do have a gut feeling, but I also, what I'm also feeling a lot is kind of like an, hard to explain, but like energetic pool. Mm -hmm. So sometimes really like if I am about to make a decision and a good example is, for example, just like walking down the street. When I'm going to a place where I'm not exactly sure where it is, it's so interesting how my body literally physically pulls me to a certain direction it's somehow like it's crazy actually sometimes when I'm when I started becoming aware of it and it just became like so much fun to just be in the in the stage of awareness and seeing that another way how I'm actually experiencing the guidance and it's, it's through because my uh, throat chakra is defined so it's also through the sounds that I make and sometimes mm -hmm. again once again the awareness I honestly I have so much fun with myself just to watch myself it's like a lot of fun <laughs> <laughs> when I realize what I'm doing because I have this a lot of this like uh-huh 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 uh -huh, yes 
<laughs> totally. So one thing about sacral uh, sacral authorities is they do often make kind of gut sounds rather than um, it, rather than enunciating yes or no. They might be more likely to say uh huh uh huh or or to make sounds while they're eating. Although this can be something that if you don't do, um, it may have been conditioned out of you. Like someone might have mm. said that it's rude to make noises while you eat or that you might have had a partner who got really annoyed that you made sounds while you ate and so you might stop doing it but your natural response would be and and if you were alone you might feel really good actually like expressing your contentment with your food through some you know nice belly sounds um and I love the thing that you said about it's so much fun to be in the state of awareness and it's human design is really about that. It's not meant to be prescriptive. It's a, it's a guide. It's kind of a roadmap. And yes, you can choose to follow the roadmap or to not follow the roadmap, but it's there for you if you want to have a, a look at it and if you want to try and follow it. Um, so uh, yeah, what you described about your sacral authority is quite typical of how it might go down for someone who's aware of that. So it's often described as a kind of expansion towards something or a retraction against something mm -hmm. and it will happen in the moment um so it's usually a you know it, it has to be a yes or a no response uh, so while you're right there so it'll be a, a yes would be an expansion or a pull towards something and a no would be a retraction or a pull away from something yes yes you mentioned something interesting that i would love to go a little bit deeper in you were talking about conditioning and I feel mm -hmm. like this ties so well together with the topic that you wanted to explore today, which is what it means like to understand your human design while you are in a work environment. How would you explain again for somebody completely new to this topic? What do you mean when you say conditioning? Okay, so um, human design as a as a system talks a lot about conditioning and deconditioning. And conditioning is basically just the kind of expectations that we um, gather on on ourselves and we start to wear that are given to us by family, society, communities around us and the world at large. So conditioning is kind of just, um, I guess, expectations from others or expectations that we form based on what we've observed in the world. And deconditioning is a process of taking off these layers of expectations um, from society and our workplace and family and um, our culture to really just tapping into who you are at the core um, without being overly influenced by the outside world. So discovering who you are at the core necessarily involves listening to your body and finding out how to um, access your inner wisdom. Right. And already... I mean, I know that right now we don't have the space to fully dive in into each of the energetic types and each of the way how people make decisions. But definitely what we can just shortly say is that depending on your design overall, you might need a different time of resting or a different way how to go into action and so on. And if we connect that with the fact that we all have this standard nine to five way of working that comes from the industrial times and it's completely not fitting everyone. This is part of the conditioning that we are talking here about because clearly this is not going to work for everyone. Exactly. So to tie the energy, an overview of the energy types into a kind of a workplace setting, 
but there's one energy type that is designed to kind of come up with uh, the creative ideas or have a vision for how things should be and um, and to kind of maybe ruffle a few feathers or so in coming up with new innovation. And uh, they those people don't necessarily have the energy to carry out that the, their great ideas to the com to completion. So imagine if you were trying to do everything yourself, you would have these brilliant ideas and then you'd kind of beat yourself up for why can't I finish those? Um, or similarly, if you there are people who don't really, they're very happy to like be given a specific task and to do the task to the best of their abilities. And they don't want to be having a lot of visionary ideas. They would maybe they'd like some autonomy in their role, but ultimately they'd like kind of a clear cut here's the specs for what we need you to do, like go away and do that and you'll be rewarded for, for doing that. Um, so if you can imagine that if people were in the wrong role for them and that the role doesn't mean job descriptions exactly, the role just means how the, the energies play out in that team um, so that a, a person who just wants to get on with their work is always having being expected to come up with visionary ideas or the visionary is being told you we just need you to do this one monotonous task all day long every day then they're going to get really frustrated and it's for them it will feel like there's something wrong with the job or there's something wrong with the workplace or there's something wrong with them when really it's just like trying to get a yoga teacher to run a marathon or vice versa such a such a good analogy I, I love that you're saying all of this because I definitely was a person who was in this space. I I honestly, I um, I know this maybe going to sound a little bit too dramatic, but I literally thought I'm never going to be happy. I'm always going to feel completely unfulfilled because I would get excited about something and so on. But suddenly exactly what, what you say, like some the future employer at the time would tell me, oh, this is so cool that you have so many of these ideas and exactly you have these visions and so on and the moment I would enter the workplace would be like but don't bring it here and this is <laughs> this is the one task that you need to start doing at nine you finish at five and bye-bye you can go home and I from when I do have ideas and I can follow up on them I have so much energy and the moment you literally cut my wings I can't yeah. even make a coffee like I have zero energy and it's so interesting you'll be like but what's happening this is like this is not me and then you start feeling like you're out of place. Maybe there's something wrong with you. And everything that you have just mentioned, I honestly felt is like release in my shoulder and in my chest, even though I already know this information. <laughs> and yet I felt that and I felt like a huge permission slip, you know, like there's nothing wrong with you. It's just, you're just not in the right place, maybe. Exactly. Human design tells you that there's nothing wrong with you or anybody else, actually. It's just that maybe you're trying to, be a square fitting into a round hole or something um, and that maybe um, it doesn't mean that you're in the wrong profession it doesn't mean that you're in the wrong company necessarily it just means that the energy around what your job is and how you carry it out might mm. need to change and that would be the advantage for employers or team leaders or managers to know something about human design as well which is going into a kind of a a, a tangent about that um, but basically if everybody was a little more aware about individual energy patterns I think that we could work together in a much 
more harmonious way and also not feel pressured to be the one doing trying to do everything but to say you know those parts of the job that you don't like there's someone else out there who is going to love doing that type of work. Hey, I just want to thank you for listening. And as a thank you for being here, I would like to offer you a free mini course called Get That Job. Now let's have a look of what is inside of this course. So first, we actually want to even get you to an interview. So we're going to learn about how to write a Venix CV and how to write a cover letter if you choose to do so. Then we're going to have a look into how to actually act on an interview. We're going to go through some basics. We're going to talk about overall the mindset of being on an interview. And then, of course, we're going to have a look into some commonly asked job interview questions and how to actually answer them appropriately. And last but not least, topic that I love to teach about on how to actually discuss the salary. So the salary talk can be can get super strange and super awkward. And sometimes it's from the side of a candidate and other times it's from the side of a person who is recruiting you. So how are we going to discuss this topic without it necessarily being awkward because it's just money. Money is just energy, right? Let's get to it. Let's talk about it. And please, if you decide to do so, this is also like a welcome from me to my world and to the way how I coach on career. If you want to access this course, make sure to check the show notes uh, for the link. And I will be looking forward to see you on the inside. Okay, enjoy the rest of the episode. There's someone else out there who is going to love doing that type of work. Hmm. So and just pass like, it on and make everybody happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I feel like it's also important, you know, to have this mindset when you say that it's part of jobs that you wouldn't like, that this is not entitlement to say like, oh, I don't like to do this. Somebody else do that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not about like, I'm not going to be the one, uh, I don't know, taking out the trash bins because I don't like doing that. It's not about that. It's literally yeah. just that certain people really prefer other doing other tasks than the other ones and I feel like one thing that we need to realize so many people who are not that self-aware they think that because they like to do something or they think something should be a certain way that everybody is thinking the same way everybody wants to do the same stuff totally can you do you think that you could kind of like bring us to a space or like a vision where let's say there is a manager, you see the manager and the manager has there a group of people. And Mm -hmm. how can the manager decide what is the right way for the people to be able to express themselves and work in their alignment while the whole team itself actually finishing the work? Yeah, that's a really great question. We're going to do this in a very hypothetical way, but hopefully we will get some actual concrete examples later on. Um, so the, the first thing it would be for the manager, be for the manager to know themselves. This is always the best starting point. So once you know yourself, not, not only in terms of like Myers-Briggs personality or um, your management style, th- these are great as well. They're all tools. Um, but to know the way that your energy flows and maybe the way that you best communicate with other people so that you can look after yourself uh, first and understand how you how it is that you relate to, to people and communicate best with people. And then you would need to know the human design of your team members. And this can even just be the very basics, like the, the most basic three to five elements of their chart without going into every, every single element that makes them unique. <laughs> um, 
that can already give you a really good idea of how people could work together and could communicate together and who's more likely to speak up and who's more likely to um, want to have more initiative in things or who would just really like to get on with a very specific task. And by knowing who you're working with, I think it gives you a better vision of how those people can fit together and then in pure human design style, everything is an experiment. And so we're really just having that in mind is how you will assign particular tasks or roles um, and then see how it goes and get feedback from your team. Feedback is always important in a team, no matter what system or tool you're using, or even if you're not using any tools at all. Yeah. Um, so having direct feedback from people about what they enjoyed or what's not working for them uh, will help you to refine how they're going to work together in the future. Mm. And I would also say then looking at like being observing the team, how they are actually working, because suddenly you might have an idea of uh, what someone is good at and so on. But suddenly when you actually see the people kind of like freeing them and letting them be in their element, and then you see them in their element and you realize in how much flow they are and that they actually do so much more work and mm -hmm. And at the end of the work, they're often so energized, right? Maybe not everybody, because again, we have the different energy types and everything, but it's so interesting when you are, even generally, not just in a workspace, but when you are next to somebody who is enjoying what they're doing, I think you can always see it. Let's say you go to a cafe and you see two people, two waiters, and one is absolutely hating it. They hate people, they hate serving. And the other one that could have been me, I actually used to love that, look that. The other one loves it. Let's say the second person, she loves being of service. She loves making the cafe, uh, coffee and bringing it to people and chatting with them. They are doing the same job. Mm -hmm. same nine to five or for however they are being there, they are paid the same. Yeah. And yet they are doing it completely differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that, you brought up a really, really great point about energy and about how much energy we have. So when you feel de-energized by your job or demotivated by your job, it's very often about the controls that are around your role or the way that you need to show up at work. And we all know that actually when we're doing something that we really love, we have a ton of energy for that. And we will end up, you know, doing things at weekends and being so in the flow that we lose track of time. Or um, you work late into the night on a project because you were so enthusiastic about that project. Whereas if it's something that you really are not keen on or that you don't have any autonomy in that. So it's just like, hey, I need you to do these slides, but you don't get to put any of the ideas into it. And you would like to put your own input. Then you, every minute feels so long. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you, you mentioned that if it, it would already be so good and so helpful if the manager knew like the three main points of the chart what would those be the, the the main ideas from the chart of their employees yeah so in general um for human design we say uh, start with your energy type of which there are five um just to i think it would be useful to describe them rather, rather than name them so uh, i i started to talk about the first two one is um, the person with who takes initiative with new ideas or who gets a lot of um, downloads about new ideas. Um, and then another type is the one who 
has energy to do tasks um, and they, they have self-generated energy so they can work for long hours and they can work pretty consistently. Would you mind please also naming them so that the people can maybe connect it together if they already have some basic awareness of human design? Yeah, sure. So uh, the first type was uh, manifesto. Manifesto is more of the creative, creator of ideas, not, not necessarily creative. Um, generator is the uh, type that has self-generated energy in order to complete tasks. So in a traditional world, the generators were the ones, the manifestors were kind of like um, the bosses and the generators were the people doing the hard labor. <laughs> um, and what generators really need to be aware of is, are they doing all of this hard work for somebody else's dream? That's okay, as long as they're enjoying it too. But if they're just being used, if their energy is being used by others, just because they have that energy and they're not enjoying it, that's when it's time to look around for something else. Um, then we have uh, manifesting generators who have a little of both types of energy, um, but they are manifesting generators are still a type of generator. So it's just a generator with a bit more um, init initiative in terms of ideas. Um, we have projectors, which are a relatively new type um, who are here to be guides. So they're not here to do hard labor, but to kind of observe people quite deeply and see how systems can be improved or how things can be improved and then guide people to do things in a better way or guide us, uh, put their special perspective on a way of doing things so that it's better than before mm, um, kind of it sounds like they see the big picture of stuff yeah they see um sometimes it's the big picture and sometimes it's just a very unique perspective in mm. terms of how to make something better mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, i'm thinking of the, i'm thinking of the projectors in my life and <laughs> adding it to them yeah <laughs> yeah and uh, and then we have reflectors who are only uh, one or two percent of the population who are, are kind of like mirrors for the rest of society. So reflectors are really good at showing other people who they are if they're willing to listen. Mm. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so the, these are the five main types and how they would possibly show up in a workplace. Awesome. Awesome. Then you mentioned also that it would be interesting for the manager to know. Uh, so we mentioned the energy types and then the mm -hmm. two other things from the chart. What else it would be? Yeah. So um, in general, for individuals, individuals would want to know their um, authority, which is kind of their inner authority, which is kind of like their source of inner wisdom. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we touched on that, the fact that there are seven kind of sources ways that you can access this depending on your chat yes um and then your strategy uh which is how you interact with others and the world um and that is linked very much to your energy type mm -hmm. for managers though i think that another way that another element that could be useful would be um, environment and perspective so to understand if your team members are 
um, prefer a fixed and stable and structured environment or if they're more um, if they produce better work when they're in flow, when they get to change from the desk to the sofa to the kitchen, or if they want to work in a cafe somewhere for a day or something like this, um, or, you know, so not always having meetings in the boardroom, uh, but maybe going out to a cafe would really excite them if they were a key part of the decision-making process or the, the next project that you have it might be actually quite good for them to have that creative change of environment. Um, and the other thing is perspective. So to understand if um, the, your team members uh, have a kind of broad picture view of the world and, and problems, or if they're more detail oriented, because then you can tap into the, the big picture people when needed and the more detailed people when needed. This is so interesting. Just the idea of it honestly really excites me. The fact that there will be a manager who would be interested in doing this for the team, I'm already seeing how much it would bring the team together and it would completely elevate the whole work, work environment, and I'm sure the results, I'm sure. And even- Yeah, I mean, for an employee, if you're allowed to suddenly be in envi an environment that excites you, which is either like, because some place workplaces uh, no longer have fixed desks and you have to hot desk and that might be really unsettling for the people who like to have their ergonomic setup and their mug for the coffee and their placement of the mouse and things like that and conversely there are other people who would hate to have their fixed desk and if you could allow them to go out and work in a cafe for um, you know a morning even though if they required to be in the office for a, an afternoon meeting um you know, I'm sure they would really appreciate having that flexibility so that they can feel good and and be happier in the team. Yeah, because I feel like so many conversations like that that people normally have when it comes to the workplace are so black and white. Mm -hmm. It's either everybody in the team is going to be remote or everybody's going to be hybrid or it's yeah. it's not about hybrid or not hybrid remote or nine to five or whatever are the, the different ways how people are thinking about that but the flexibility also in terms of um, having a flexibility of each, each person individually do you yeah, feel I like I think a lot of sorry I think a lot of workplace rules are not only black and white but it's more like everybody is the same Everybody, yes. so our policy is everyone is hybrid or everyone needs to be in, in the office three days per week. Um, whereas human design is really about embracing diversity mm. and and seeing that everyone's going to work slightly differently. And why don't we leave the choice to those people? Not just so that they we can pretend to be great employers, but be, because you're actually going to get happier and more productive employees that way. Mm. But how, like, I'm going to be a little bit of a devil's advocate here. I'm sure that, uh, you know, that maybe somebody from a huge, gigantic corporate would say like, yeah, okay, that could work nicely in like a company of five people, but there's no way that we could implement this uh, for a company of 40,000 employees. Mm -hmm. How would you, yeah. how would you respond to that? For sure. I mean, lots of companies who that have 40,000 employees are actually not thinking about um, keeping individuals happy because at that level they think 
a lot of employees are disposable. So if if one person is unhappy, let them go and someone else will come in and turnover can be can be high, but it doesn't matter. We'll just maybe pay the, the next person less anyway. So we're going to mm. save. <laughs> um, where, but it has to be said that uh, workplace happiness is a huge factor in retaining employees, which is of no surprise. And so if an HR department is concerned about, I mean, it's very costly to take on new employees. There's the whole um, advertising process and then the hiring process and then the takes time for them to do the training and then to integrate in the team and become their most productive self. So if you can avoid all of that, let's say nine months to one year of transition period, you're actually going to save a lot of money, which I don't know why more companies don't think about the act, the cost of letting somebody go. Mm, because it's, uh, you know, often it's a, such a long-term process, right? And not that many, I think it de- really depends. It is actually quite a complex topic because sometimes the HR just wants to do whatever, you know, it's necessary to do to um, make somebody else happy, right? With some stuff that they need to say on a, on a meeting or whatever, Sometimes it's just not a concern, you know, there's a more urgent concern. And even if you think about it, we could have a completely the same look at it when it comes to just relationships, whether it is romantic relationships or friendships. How many people are going to be thinking about how am I going to act with this person in five years? They're thinking about the next day, the next dinner, something in this way, right? It's you, you change the mindset the moment when you are really more sure about the person and how you want to keep, keep moving forward. Because also, again, even what you're saying right now, caring about the people is also an investment, right? Whether it is investment of time or money, whatever it could be. So it's yeah. so much more easier and cheaper to just have a pizza Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Hmm. Okay, well, I think that we got an idea when we when we were talking to it together. We already cooperate with Melissa when it comes to career coaching and human design. It's such a beautiful combination, and I feel like this is really where the where the experience of both of us comes in this beautiful connection, and uh, we can help an individual out when it comes to from your side, how they should be ma- listening to their body and should be making choices. And then from me, navigating them through the career coaching. But we have even a more exciting idea or not, not more exciting, even a little bit more complex. And that would be potentially to actually do this for a team. Yeah. So I feel like we've really only touched on the surface, the very surface of human design in today's podcast episode. Um, and how you really get to understand human design and its advantages and how it it really works to help people in a very practical way is through the practice of the, the practice of doing human design. And so when you can have when you can actually try it out for yourself and then try it out for your team members and then try putting that all together (laughs) that's when you're really going to see how much sense it makes yeah it's I really have to say for me it was so transformational and I was just applying it for myself a little bit I was making my partner understand that and then just the people I was talking to because it was just so interesting 
But the idea of actually having a day together instead of, let's say, of a team building, because I really feel like this is the basic definition of team building, mm-hmm. of the manager and the team and everybody being in a situation when they finally understand themselves and understand each other. I mean, this would be magic in the mayhem. Exactly. Totally agree. Awesome. Well, we definitely kind of like are sending it out to everyone. If you would be interested in that, let us know. We can have a discussion on how this could actually work with your team. But also, even if you would be super interested in this on an individual basis, either you can reach out to Melissa. Uh, I'm definitely going to leave some links in the description. Melissa is an excellent human design reader and I believe you can have like one session with people or even like a continuous coaching, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if you would, again, as we mentioned, even like to integrate it together with your career coaching, we also have a program together where uh, you get a guidance from both of us. Mm-hmm. So that can be an idea for somebody if you just want to discover for yourself how to navigate your life and career with human design. Yeah, so if you're a team and you feel like, or if you're managing a team or if you're part of a team that could be open to this idea and you feel like you like your colleagues or even if you don't really like them too much, but you feel like you you could definitely flow better if you understood each other, um, we would love to together do a, a little session with each of you where you get to know more about yourself and how you flow and how you communicate with people. And then you get to know about the people that you work with and how they flow and how they communicate and how they like to work. And then you get to discuss how you could actually work together in a way that you get to do more of what you love and less of what you don't love and the same for everybody else in the team as well. Mm, That would be so much fun to do that. So I'm looking so much looking forward for um, the people that we are going to be working with. Melissa, thank you so much. I'm so excited that we got to get to do this. Do you have any final words? Um, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure and I can't wait till the next time. Awesome. Definitely. That's definitely happening. Thank you so much. Okay. <laughs>